1: Oh, and welcome to the Shakti Hour, a podcast on Ram Dass's Be Here Now Network. I'm your host, Melanie Moser, and today I am delighted to share a really fun chat with the beautiful Trudy Goodman. You'll have to indulge me here. There's a bunch of ambient sound on this recording as uh, there was a difficulty with the internet, and I really wanted to talk to Trudy right away. And so we just went for it. And uh, I think that the energy, the vibe, the content, the feeling is strong enough to override any uh, audio distractions. I really, really liked talking with her, and I'm super happy to have been uh, connected with her through the Ramdas Satsang and to uh, look forward to getting to spend some time with her in person and participate, hopefully, with Inside L.A., and some other things that uh, she's got going on up at Spirit Rock uh, over the the summer. Please do remember to subscribe to the Shakti Hour on iTunes and leave us a rating and review. You can follow along at BeHereNowNetwork.com, Shakti Hour on Twitter, and the Shakti Hour podcast on Instagram. I'm going to be going back to the Shakti Sacred Music Series in the coming months, so stay tuned for that. You can catch up on those episodes at Shakti Sacred And you can also follow along at Patreon slash Shakti Hour if you want to catch some unedited conversations from that series, along with additional reflections from me and special meditation offerings. Thank you so much for listening to the Shakti Hour. And uh, here we are now with Trudy Goodman. So I'm here today with the beautiful Trudy Goodman and uh, Trudy and I are just meeting over the internet for the first time although I have listened to your talks and uh, seen you in the videos of the Ram Dass retreats so what I'd like to start with you today actually is the word Dharma I would just love to hear <laughs> for two reasons i'd love to hear your your reflections as a teacher on the word dharma but then also i'd love to hear kind of how your dharma has unfolded and how you've come to the seat of teacher today so it's a two-part kind of (laughs) question for you
2: Uh, Yeah. uh, um, yeah what what i'm just curious for you what is it about the general question about dharma that you're really interested in because it's a pretty big question
1: yeah you know it really is a big question and and i think i think i just have been you know a little a skeptical of the the secret or the the this desire for purpose people wanting their purpose and having to have this you know uh, capital letters you know, next to their name. And this is what I do. And, um, and this is who I am. And this is what I'm here for. And, and so I've just been kind of, and so there's that aspect of it, right? There's the the personal purpose, kind of the Oprah Winfrey angle, right? And then there's the spiritual aspect of it, which is just basically, you know, your, your spiritual practice, your embodiment of this life. So I guess I'm kind of just like uh, looking at those two culturally maybe totally misunderstood aspects of the word, <laughs> and also trying to, you know, reckon with how non-negotiable it is <laughs> personally.
2: Okay. Okay. Let's see. So you know, in in my in the tradition that I'm. Um, formed by and have practiced in, which is Buddhist meditation. Uh, And I've actually done primarily, I think the early years uh, about 15 years as a Zen student and then Vipassana insight meditation, but also a few years of study in the Tibetan tradition because I was just so curious about each tradition. And, um, and so in the Buddhist tradition, Dharma has several meanings and it means, um, It refers to the teachings of the Buddha like the actual teachings what they are and also this it has a meaning that's more universal like the laws of nature for example um, simple things like when I talk to kids about it I say the fact that the trees grow up and not down or that the waves roll in to the beach and not out you know just laws of nature so natural law yeah the natural law exactly and um, The teachings, the natural law, and then one's Dharma, one's truth or how we embody the teachings. I think that's also what you're asking about and is curious, are curious about. And, of course, that's where that's where the rubber meets the road is what we actually do with the teachings. And um, what I love, I mean, when I I love the word practice, which I don't know if that word gets used as much. Um in other uh, spiritual contexts or, or religions, but I love the word practice because maybe because I was a psychotherapist and we talked about our therapy practice and it had a similar meaning in terms of developing skills and knowledge and studying and trying to become the best therapist that we could be really master, um, our, our craft, our profession. And, um, And there isn't really, I mean, of course, that's an endless, that can be endlessly refined. Um, And it's the same thing. The Dharma refers also to our practice, the practice that we do over and over again, the practice of meditation, the practice of mindfulness, the practice of self-compassion, and uh, developing more and more of our character in line with the teachings, which are about love and understanding and compassion. So how do you know we practice through sitting every day, through looking deeply into our own hearts, through through being honest about what we see, and sometimes I think that's the definition of mindfulness that I like the best. It is just a kind of clarity or honesty,
1: right? And so if, yeah, it, so this is all this is great, and I know there's more coming, but I just want to get pick up your word of practice that you're highlighting, and just and I think that that's maybe where personally or culturally even this idea of purpose versus dharma or kind of is capital capital and become capitalistic become part of capitalism versus you're talking about we practice the dharma meaning we practice cultivating these characteristics within ourselves correct yes that then that then we take to our purpose our path our or our other our practice our world yeah
2: our world of relationships our work our everything that we do hopefully you know hopefully yeah. we're kind kinder to people um you know i was teaching recently with a dear friend who is a tibetan buddhist uh, rinpoche and and he was talking about all the years and years of practice that he did, and he he said um, and I, in some ways I was missing the point, I mean he started when he was 12 years old, so his understanding has evolved, but he said in some ways I was missing the point, which was just to be kinder, just to see, you know, is this making me kinder, and And I was thinking about how when we were young and we all started, you know, launched ourselves into these practices with great enthusiasm and passion. And if somebody had said to me, you know, you're really doing this so that you could be a more loving and kind person, I would have thought, well, that's nice. But actually, what I really want is enlightenment, altered states of consciousness. What is reality anyway? You know, these other kinds of questions. And but in fact, it's so much um, it turns out that ultimate reality and uh, these these deeper understandings of what this is that we're involved in here as human beings, uh, that really the question of kindness, it's, it's, uh, it mirrors to me a sort of infinite tenderness that is available in the universe, not the universe of self-branding and self-promoting that I think you're referring to when you were talking about Sort of the deterioration of this idea of practice when it comes about um well more materialistic or commercial things and now we all have to have a livelihood we all have to figure out how to support ourselves and and it is tricky to maintain integrity in a field where um we talk about you really have to brand yourself you know for people in my generation, that's a weird concept. But if you're a millennial, it's the water you're swimming in. You kind of have to do it,
1: do right? And I mean? so this, and so this, this is the this is the value of practice. I, I there was a little clip on Instagram speaking of branding, and uh, with uh, Dolly Parton talking, you know, and she was saying in her way about you know whatever your dreams are, you have to put every she said every limb, every thought, every, every you had put your whole self into the practice of creating your, your dreams, basically. Right. And, and so th- whatever you're practicing, and then as you were saying that practicing, I was reflecting on this past little section of my life where I was practicing, quote-unquote, some old conditioned behaviors that were really... Pit- creating pain you know that were really creating problems we've all, yeah we've all been there <laughs> and i was practicing them and practicing them and practicing them and and um and and trying and it felt almost felt divided it felt like a two different beings like a mechanical being that had practiced for so many years doing these things and then really trying to effort into the what i was believing was my dharma this makes any sense so at this point personally the the old practice overrode the the new practice and so this is where I think now that we're talking this through I'm understanding more now that I have seen that happen clearly I was awake enough to see it happen now I see how consequential how essential practicing the Dharma, practicing your Dharma, is in order <laughs> to to live well in the world. So let's go. Let's go back and um, just tell me a little bit how you got got here. You started to say that you were looking when when you first got into this. You were looking for uh, altered states of consciousness and enlightenment and all these different things. <laughs> what, what what brought you into a spiritual practice to begin with? I think what brought me into it
2: to begin with was just sort of what you were describing um, when the whole thing froze, when we were talking about how you found yourself practicing um, behaviors or ways of being that didn't bring you happiness. In fact, they were actually causing pain. And, uh, and it was the same for me. I was really, uh, I was young and I had, I found myself at the ripe old age of 24, a divorced single mom already. And, um, and I think this is part of what triggered it was I met a man who was lovely, who wanted to, was happy to take on my daughter and me and, and um, I didn't, I wasn't really able to make that relationship. And I wound up kind of, it felt like being, I left and I remember being so perplexed, like, why did I do this and not really understanding What was driving me and so I actually started I wanted to meditate but I just felt too crazy at that point to sit with myself so I started Mm -hmm. psychotherapy and I was just so lucky because this was like what 19 was this even 1972 or something Um, 1971 I don't even remember but I was lucky to find a therapist who was already a meditator what were the chances back then? You know, who is a psychiatrist, whatever he—I was. It was just good, good, good fortune, and and that became my goal to be able <laughs> to sit with myself and bear, bear it. Uh, and so it's not, you know, I think a lot of us start our um, spiritual path out of our own suffering, and I think that's such an authentic reason to begin. It's very raw and real. You know, yes, I had taken psychedelics, I had taken LSD, I had had certain visions in the course of um, uh, those experiments that really showed me there was more to reality than what I had been taught in school and discovered so far. But I would say the thing that propelled me to actually practice, as opposed to read and think about it, but to actually put my body you know my well pretty much what you were saying dolly parton was talking about to really my whole body my whole heart my whole mind to really direct it toward um waking up to more of who i really was who really are each one of us i think that it was that suffering that propelled me you know, being perplexed and bewildered and not understanding myself or what I was doing. And,
1: but there's an awakening, there was an awakened part of you that saw what was happening. Do you know where that came from, <laughs> that noticed that you had done that? Well, I first of all, I think everyone has that part. You know, I think we all
2: have that awakened part that deep down does know and that the mind actually does know, but we can't let ourselves know yet. So, I think that is part of our birthright. Each one of us has that. But that it so I had some experiences, and this is interesting to you, I think, because as a female, you know, woman, I had had some experiences before I ever heard of Buddhism or thought of spiritual practice in the course of some particularly female experiences, giving birth and almost losing my daughter to an illness, Um, you know, very serious. So I think that I've always treasured the fact that I had these uh, spiritual openings in the context of very ordinary um, experience as a mom, becoming a mother and then being a mother, completely ordinary. And yet they were the, you know, Those experiences were maybe the source of also a longing to understand more and have something that could help me um, integrate all these parts of myself and my experience up until then. I kind of didn't appreciate them at the time for what they were. They were just experience. I thought, well, everybody has certain experiences when they give birth or everybody has certain experiences in the stress of almost losing somebody they love. Do you know what I mean? I just thought this is normal. I was too young to know anything really about what other people experience. Um, But I love the fact that uh, it it has given me the trust that everybody can experience um, different kinds of opening or awakening. The fact that it didn't happen through a particular teacher or a particular darshan or a particular it just happened through the darshan of my life.
1: Well, but does that, that make sense? Well, I mean, that's exactly it. You know, and I think that that's exactly <laughs> the meat of the question that I'm 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 struggling with right now and it does have to be it does have to do with the miracle of life and creating a being and I think that if you go through that experience You you, you said it's an ordinary thing. Well, it's ordinary because it happens all the time. But it's not ordinary. You're faced with the complexity of your body. You're faced with the complexity of the spiritual and physical coming together. You're faced with an undeniable and unbeatable love that clouds your vision. (laughs) To try to see the being that's in front of you as a mother, right? To <laughs> you, you can you simultaneously see every little li- every little limb, every little hangnail, and you also can't see the whole being because you also see this great soul, right? You also see this thing. So, in a way, I think that that's part of. <laughs> why it's such a, um, a joke to consider, that it's ordinary, in a way, um, because uh, it, it's, you know, um, there's, a, I have this book on Tibetan parenting, and I don't know, I don't know how accurate it is, you know, I got it off Amazon, <laughs> I just <laughs> searched, and it, it seemed really cool, but it, um, but you know, the, there's, in that culture, at least as this book says, the man and the woman and the whole the whole family, the whole community gathers around the two people that are coming together and then to create. Then there's all these rituals around the spiritual aspect. There's all these rituals around the physical aspects of the earth, the water, the different elements. And there's this whole, you know, communal, masculine, feminine. <laughs> integration of that process not as being ordinary at all as being quite spectacular right to and precarious even in how this soul enters into the Mm -hmm. the the realm so you know it would make sense to me (laughs) that as a you know quote-unquote young mother uh, you would be resistant to settling down (laughs) yes so psychologically maybe there was a critique why would i run away from this thing but it makes absolute sense if you're not guided into that process through you know when i look when i read this book you know it's so so many elements so many people so much wisdom so many generations holding a person as they go into that experience and um so From the so, is the spiritual path different for men than it is for women? If it's outside, if it's held outside of the making of a new life, then absolutely it is. Yeah,
2: and I think that's (laughs) part what you're drawing attention to, and and me too, which is that. Spiritual life doesn't have to take place in the temple, in the synagogue, in the church, in the ashram, in the, you know, and and our relationship to spirit or God or whatever we want to call it, our relationship to that um, doesn't have to be, we don't need an intermediary in the form of a often male, at least it used to be, rabbi, priest, minister. Um, you know, we don't need, we can go direct and have our own experience of the sacred and that which is holy. And I think the other thing you're saying that is so true is that, yes, it's ordinary because it's commonplace, but that if we look deeply, nothing is ordinary. I mean, giving birth is magical and miraculous, of course, the way new life comes in and, and new life leaves. But at the same time, if we look at, I mean, at one point I picked up my cup and took a sip of water. What, what is water? Where does it come from? What are, <laughs> where does it come from? You know I mean? We're having a rainy day here in Northern California. Um, science can describe these phenomena, but they are still miraculous. Yeah. The fact that we live and move and have our being and can love, and this is... What is this? Yeah. You know, it, it, you're right. Nothing... Nothing is ordinary. And in Zen, there's a saying, ordinary mind is the way. But it's really talking about the extraordinary ordinary. The ordinary, you know, you can see the sacred in everything. Right.
1: Yeah. So, tell me then about how you navigated through these different teachings and teachers to come to where you are now. So you you had this kind of psychological awakening around this shift in your personal life.
2: But then I also had had some spiritual awakening in terms of what I went through um, when I gave birth and what I went through when my daughter was dying in the hospital, and I think those are important because those were glimpses that happened really out of suffering I began to see, for example, when she was very ill and and she coded and all the doctors came running and the nurses. And, they were, you know, she was two years old, this tiny little body in a hospital bed. And they were all working on her. And I told this story because it was so, um, it was a real opening where I suddenly, the room, you know, nothing had changed except everything changed. And I really saw, I had the feeling that I was seeing God and that the people who were working on that little body it that god was not separate from this activity of compassion trying to save a life that god was not located somewhere else whether it's up in the sky or down in the earth or you know wherever we might have a story about where the sacred lives it became so clear to me that it's right here right now in the activity of love and compassion and having seen that i think i think that That carried me through um, a lot of the practices that, in some ways, might have seemed sort of alien to me as a young woman, like making prostrations to some Asian man who was my meditation teacher. (laughs) I was a feminist. I thought, "What am I doing? You know, putting my forehead on the floor to this guy?" (laughs) But I, you know, I had some deep trust that uh, I was going to learn something that was not available to me in my own. Culture, at least not to me. Um, You know, I I was born Jewish, but I wasn't raised observant, and you had to learn Hebrew, and that was a big obstacle for me. It wasn't uh, immediately accessible to me. But somehow, you know, you asked what carried me through, and I don't really know, except that I was willing to trust the unknown, and I wanted to learn, and I wanted to explore. And so that not knowing helped me transform my understanding of the things that were just hard that happened in my life, that, you know, having divorce, having I mean, just the things that happened to us, right, in the course of a life, they helped me understand that these things really were and are karmic purifications when we're doing spiritual practice, that they actually help us see more clearly where we need to grow And what's getting in the way. And I don't make that big of a distinction between psychological and spiritual where that process is concerned.
1: Correct. Right. Because you're you're telling of that story in the hospital emergency situation. You know, it's very I get the transmission of that teaching through your telling of that story. And it almost um, it almost reminds me of the title (laughs) of Jack's, one of Jack's books that after the ecstasy, the, the laundry, it's not his book. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. In, in a way where, where it's almost like when you tell a story, it's like, how do you even go back into the world after that? Like, how do you even, after you've seen God in that way, how do you even go back into the world and continue on, you know? And, uh, and so in that way it's, a. Uh, It's that's, that's the practice there then of Dharma.
2: That's right. Right. That's right. Because we come, we come back from an experience like that. And, and then we're faced with all our stuff that we still have, and it doesn't really make it go away or anything. And then it becomes the question of how do I reconcile what I've seen with the actuality of who I am and what my life is? And, and I think at the beginning, a lot of our practice is kind of idealistic that way. You know, we have a vision or some ideal, and we're trying to live up to it or live into it. And then gradually, we come to see that uh, we are it. But that takes time. We come to see that we are ourselves, uh, that activity of compassion and love that we can call God or spirit or Buddha or you know, any of the other beautiful names, from sacred traditions.
1: Well, and in that way too, that's also held in that, that story, that experience too, because why would you want to be, I mean, you were, you were helpless. You had to stand aside and just view it. And that's, That's and that's the, that's the truth, right? (laughs) That's actually the truth of of what we're doing here ultimately anyway. So these, so the ego grasping for power or the, you know, in that moment you're, you are forced to, to surrender i had an ex- one of the part of i was telling about practicing these conditioned behaviors and i was it felt like i was racing myself this is the visual i had it was like it was like i was running a race and i was race the spiritual mind and the conditioned mind were like racing each other and and i would and as soon as i would catch up i being the awakened i i would be like oh wait no 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 you know i was trying to like <laughs> Uh, ca- calling people and like, this is, I'm sorry, I just, I just understood this. Like, we have to just, you know, I have to tell you this. And, uh, you know, it was this, it was a very, um, frenetic kind of experience where the truth was coming in as fast as I was acting against it. It was like an equal kind of partnership <laughs> of burning 100. off this, this karma. Yeah. Oh, it was, a, yeah. it was horrifying, but it was also, um, you know, uh, I'm I'm realizing now in, in talking about this that it left me in, on the doorstep of of this question of dharma,
2: right?
1: Because my pra- the practices you know Ramdas says you know all all methods are traps he said that before, and I think the the practices I was using to get me to that finish line of that race with my small self and and the and higher self if you want to call it <laughs> are complete, and so I've been kind of in this uh, spacious land of of being i I feel like maybe back in this kind of material plane that of going back to the dharma so i've left the the emergency room i've had that experience i saw what was happening now there's another life right and so i feel like this is the thing that um you know uh, another guest uh, vera uh, Dechelampère, who was on, shared a post the other day about you know why why is everybody why can't you just live a normal life like an ordinary life? Why do you have to have this purpose and have this thing and be this thing and you know be striving to this striving to this place? And it's true, just doing your practice, yeah, cultivating these characteristics of being more kind, compassionate, loving, present human being, is enough. But it is. there is another piece of the karma <laughs> that I feel is um, the Dolly Parton piece, the essential embodiment of that. So, what can do you have any reflections on that? <laughs> well, yeah, because
2: I think that to develop the um, the shift in attitudes where you're not trying to promote and brand and further. Yourself, even if it's your spiritual self, um that or your higher self, the self that wants to do all that is not the self that has access to spirit or God or or that level of understanding. You know, it's a, it's, it's like that race you were talking about. You're always in that race. That was a great. I mean, I said it was a great dream, not because it was a happy dream, because it was such a vivid image, such a vivid illustration, like this. Psychic snapshot of a lot of us spiritual practitioners get involved in that, and um, but the embodiment piece to me is the practice. So when we practice meditation, we are bringing all of ourselves to that moment. It's a quite intense thing, and uh, people don't talk so much about the passion of it, but I feel it's actually a very passionate engagement. And yes, we get distracted because we have our habitual, you know, our tendencies and conditioning to get distracted or fall asleep. But the practice is to realize that, to wake up, and then to just pour all of ourselves into being present this moment, one hundred percent. Arms, legs, you know, brain, heart, skin, bones, all of it, and that willingness um, to be present in that way. No, we can't do it every moment, but but the formal practice of really immersing ourselves wholeheartedly in that, it just does. It seeps into the rest of our life. And then a figure ground shift happens where we start to notice when we're not present instead of all the time having to remind ourselves to be present. Does that make sense?
1: Totally, yeah. That's the inverse, Yeah. Mm yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. Suddenly being present is sort of the way we mostly are without even noticing it that happened.
1: And then that's um, the other dog. That's like the dog toy. It's like another, that's another, that's, a, that's a next toy for the ego then to start to, to play with for me in my experience. So versus be present, be present. Then it's like, Oh, you weren't just not present. How, you know, then there can be a whole story that runs well, out. on that. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I think what helps with that, um, there's a beautiful line in the heart sutra, which is a Mahayana Buddhist teaching. And, and the line, it's talking about how, when we are not living in the conceptual world, when we're in the world of direct experience, we don't really have a concept of our eyes, ears, nose, tongue, body, mind, we're just experiencing a direct experience. And, and then there's a beautiful line and it says, it's saying no eyes, no ears, no nose, no, you know don't get all hung up on identification with all these things. Um, these ideas about who and what we are and then it says and also no ignorance and also no extinction of it and that's so helpful to me of course you know there's no uh idea of ignorance and oh my god you know i blew it and um like you said another layer of judgment coming in right Uh, there's it, it, it helps us accept and allow and have some equanimity for that process where we just get to say, well, of course we forget. That's why you know in Sanskrit the word for mindfulness means basically remembering. Right. We forget but forgetting is part of it. right It's not a
1: state. It's part of the ro- it's part of the romance. It's part of the, the grist for the mill. it's part of the massaging away of it's that process. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. you said something about the willingness, and, and that definitely, you know, you know I'm, like I said, I'm just coming out of this really intense, like, three months of, whoa. Um, and I, I, um, I, what I, what I was really in an argument with spirit about is what spirit was showing me, or God, or my guru, you know, at this point I'm in new languages spirit, was um, showing me that I really wasn't willing there was this sliver, this thing that I was not aware of, that was very much. And I, I, I make this gesture of like a. It, it felt like it was like a cord, like a, like a cord inside of me that, like one guitar string, that was just yeah. not going to be tuned, you know, yeah. no matter what. And I was so angry about it because I thought no effing way (laughs) I know that I've been surrendered I know that I've been willing you know yeah and then and then it was like here you go we're going to crush you in this um sandwich press (laughs) until you see the cheese melt out and then you'll see there's this thin we crushed the whole panini and there was still some (laughs) (laughs) unmelted cheese in there see look and it's like well, gosh darn it there was you know how did I not see that so I'm telling all this, this personal stuff partially because it, I feel your, your reflection of being with a, a wonderful teacher and someone who's done the practice, but also to just say, what is that? Is that worth the pursuit of, of, a, of a life to, to get all that, that cheese melted? Sorry, it's a terrible <laughs> terrible metaphor, but it's what's coming up right now. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, like, uh, I feel like I can't tell for myself personally, if I set myself up for this idea. And that's why this whole thing is being burnt out. Or if that really is part of the, the practice of, of, of awakening and surrendering and becoming more and more conscious.
2: I think they're both true. You set yourself up for it by deciding to do spiritual practice. <laughs> you know what I mean. And once you make that choice and you enter that path, yeah. um, I also yeah. think of that song with John Lennon, "Instant Karma." Mm-hmm. You know, once we make that, you can't really turn back. You can't know unknow what you have learned, and so there's really nowhere to go except keep going forward that way. And Yes, I do think it's about melting our
1: cheese. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. You know, I'll think it, I'll think it through. We'll, we'll come up with something different.
2: <laughs> One thing is delicious. You know, and we want to have a delicious life, right? Yeah. We want to have a life of happiness and joy. Um, that's really important. And for and, and the, the uncooked cheese is generally not, you know, the things that aren't digested in us are, are the things that, generally are not the things that make us happy and joyful, right? They're often the things that occlude our clarity or interfere with our ability to just enjoy life. You know, like right now, for example, in my life, this is a very blessed time, knock on wood, everyone in the family is, you know, touch wood, they're all healthy, Um, you know, it's, it's just a good time. And I know it can't last, but it makes it even more precious that it is a good time. But then that knowledge of impermanence can also kind of tip into a sort of anxiety um, that I think all the women in my family work with in one way or another. It's like waiting for the other shoe to drop. Oh, I'm happy now, but oh my God, um, what's going to happen? Something? Do you know what I mean? Just that uh, 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 kind of. So just being able to rest and relax in whatever is happening and the goodness of that is also really important. And, I mean, the Buddha also said, like, don't just look at all the mountains ahead of you that you still have to climb, you know, all that uncooked cheese. Uh, He said, turn around and look at the way you've come, you know, the gooey, yummy, melted, or the mountains we've already climbed. Like, really appreciate what we've done, too, not from a place of conceit, but just of acknowledging and respecting the efforts that we've made and the insights that have been given to us and the grace of being involved in this process in the first place.
1: Yeah. See, and that's such a maternal, a maternal, you know, way of, of encouragement. And, and I, and I think I had a conversation recently with a, with a, a Christian pastor actually, who was, we were talking about, you know, Jesus as this figure uh, that was very, very maternal was very nurturing. Was very, yeah. it very wasn't this masculine feminine kind of thing? And the and that's kind of actually kind of contemporary <laughs> idea that these things are so um, polarizing. But um, but so then the Buddha is saying the same thing. Let's let's look, you know, <laughs> look and see what 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 you've done. Good job, you know. You got five A's and one B, and that's good. You <laughs> know, keep going, you know. But I do think that the, um, but to your point of impermanence, and this being a good time in your life now, which I'm, I'm so happy for you to be in that moment, is that these, these moments of intensities, of these sque- squeezings out, these intense races, yes. are not constant, that they really are right. there in these, in these kind of moments to give us, I mean, this is what all the memes would tell you, right? That whatever is happening is for your growth, and this ending is this beginning, and da 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 da, da which it truly is. If you're willing to take this nurturing perspective, you're, you're willing to take this peaceful, you know, being at peace, being at rest. I don't know what, how you describe the opposite of the anxiety of the shoe will drop, but just being with what is in that relaxing, space, relaxing, relaxing into that yeah. moment, then there is then there is some space to. Um, kind of let the, the rest of the water run off. Um, and I,
2: a lot of it is about trust. You know, it's very hard when we're in the squeeze. And, oh my gosh, I have been there so many times in my life, you know, really tough, tough times. And in during those times, it's difficult to trust that it's, a, you know, that it will end. That it will come out that there's a possibility of things being even better than they were, etc. All those things. And I remember years and years ago um, having this um newspaper clipping that was from the it was called the Snow Lion. I think now it's a glossy magazine, but it used to be this little print newspaper that came out of Ithaca, and it was there was a picture of His Holiness, the Dalai Lama, on the front, and he had his hands in prayer position, you know, his hands joined in Namaste and Gasho and and he was saying, Maybe I am the last Dalai Lama. There's it's all right. There's nothing wrong. And I remember thinking, What? How can you say that? You're there's a genocide of your people going on. You you this venerable and beautiful tradition May not continue. How can that be all right? And it became kind of a koan for my life. Like, what is you know, what does he mean by this? And and I remember um, having a breakup, another one, and being sitting in the zendo, you know, tears pouring down my face. I was meditating and just like devastated. And yet, I remember the thought came. It just was an understanding. It's all right. I'm heartbroken and it's all right because I'm not alone in my heartache. there I am every human being who's ever had a broken heart. I am this is what it's like to be a human being who's heartbroken. and I you know it's still heartbreaking. I'm still crying and it's all right. if that makes sense both are true
1: and that's the value of the of the practice right is to come in coming in touch with that stability that truth that that it's a trust that trust yeah developing that trust in in life itself yeah and is there i was just uh, is, there, is there a text do you have a favorite text something that you go back to again and again
2: oh my gosh <laughs>
1: or something that's really really work uh, working with you right now that you're really digging.
2: Right now the text that I'm really working with is uh is my life. And I, by that I mean I'm trying to uh write and that's not easy for me. Never has been. That's why, you know, all my friends have written all these books and I haven't. Uh I mean, of course I was being a mom and I was having um, a lot of very understandable distractions, but but the reality is that it's just not easy for me. And so I'm not really answering your original question, except that it can be an answer for everybody too. I'm really looking at my life in a different way with hindsight, with the perspective, you know, the 2020 vision of, of looking back and being able to see Oh, just as you were describing about your recent insights, that, oh my gosh, yes, that really did lead to this. I couldn't see it at the time, but I can see it now. So sort of like reading the story of my life with the understanding that I have today and really seeing how much that trust that I didn't always have, but how much it would have been warranted could I have had it all along? Does, does that make sense? Yeah. Really understanding yeah. lessons of the lessons of this life. And I'm older too, so it feels like a time to take stock and integrate all of what it's been. Um, you know, it's almost like people have in a long meditation retreat, they do a kind of life review process. Right. Or maybe people at the end of their lives, which I don't think this is, but we never know. Um mm-hmm. You know,
1: well, you so. know, there's something about the wor- the word and putting and putting things into that form, like. And so, I, I appreciate you saying when I asked you what your favorite text was, being your own words and your own your own writing of it, because, um, in a way, that's you know very feminine. <laughs> um, yes, it is. Yeah, it it is. it's, yes. t- it's you know, the real raw stuff
2: of our life. Yeah, and absolutely. Um, yeah, absolutely. And looking at um, our whole life, we've been conditioned to learn about the words and experiences of others. Like, you, you know, oh, I've been reading this book or this text of this wise person. But how about the way that we have come and the wisdom that arises from our own practice? Um, you know, really... That's what I more and more want to study for now
1: yep, that's wonderful. I can't wait to get to study it to read it when when it's come through you and um, you. and uh, I, I had a through this process I, I often I do a lot of uh, intuitive book shopping <laughs> so I, I, was a, I was led to two different books during this period one was Milarepa's a hundred thousand songs or hundred thousand songs whatever it is and uh and so and have been reading that as if it was written for me in this time and then I and and then this book of uh, Inanna the story of Inanna and um
2: Oh, that story meant so much to me when I got divorced. When I went through
1: that. Oh my gosh. I mean, it's just profound. So, so you know, so the the teacher. Um, so it's almost as if that was given to me. It, it was a given. It was a gift for me at a time when I wasn't able to write my own words. When I didn't have the space to reflect and have that hindsight. That that. Yeah, the space, the spaciousness, the presence; those were those were presented to me, and I just think that that you know, I think I, I want people to trust that more, you know. And I know that that my teacher Ramdas encourages people to do that, encourages them to listen and to practice listening. But then, okay, circling around, and I know we have to end soon, but this comes back oh, Ram Dass. to oh, yes, okay. <laughs> That's is wonderful for that right he's very much trust your path so yeah but now in the pra- for the practice of dharma you have you know what is your experience in working with people who play the spiritual field i don't know what my neighbor's dog is having a freak out I'm sorry
2: um my I guess I feel like a lot of my work is about helping people connect with and have access to their own power, the power of love in their own hearts and the power um, to imagine a life that can be theirs. And so, because everybody has this possibility, but We, people helped me find it in myself. I did that all by myself, you know, and I think we need each other to see, like I can see qualities about you that you, when you look in the mirror, don't see. Um, We need each other for that. So in my work with people, I mean, there's no one size fits all, you know, everybody's wired differently. And that's part of what I love about working with people is the kind the intimacy beginning to discover, you know, how it is for you or how, you know, what will resonate with you, what will give you more access to your own beauty and um, uh, wisdom and power of love.
1: Right. So it is really individual. I guess I have a, and I appreciate that so much. And uh, uh, I guess I have some sort of, fantasy or desire to and maybe it's to have Something that is just a fail-safe that just never changes in terms of a, a spiritual practice and at least over the last I say I started in earnest 10 years ago But I've always been a seeker if you will. Yeah, and but just in the last say 10 years of earnest practice you know That has shifted probably three or four times. And now I'm finding myself in another place where I'm looking for a different practice. And I'm just uh, just getting your reflections on that. Like in terms of uh, I I think
2: practice that really is one that that you can thread through everything and that is fail safe and it's what you're asking about. It's your teacher's practice of loving awareness. It's Ramdas, our teacher, all of us. You know, when he teaches that meditation where he just puts his hand on his heart and says, I am loving awareness. I am loving awareness. And he's suggesting that we use it almost like a mantra of a, or a blessing, a reminder that who I am, I can identify with something much bigger than the usual narratives about who I am that I get caught in. Right. And so I would say that is feel safe. Loving awareness is always a place for us to turn and can always transform our experience. Maybe not, you know, instantly when we want it to happen, but if we stay with it and this is the beauty of practice, uh, I mean, We have to have a longer view of our life and the trajectory of it this journey that we're all on together you know and we have that longer view to me that's one dimension of loving awareness is seeing it's bigger than any one period in our life or any one crisis or any one loss of faith the things we go through right correct
1: right exactly and so then that 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 then kind of wraps in this idea of purpose and and Dharma is that <laughs> not everybody's Dharma is a spiritual path, but the oh, spiritual no. path of practicing the Dharma will feed your your other path your absolutely
2: whatever. absolutely right. and if if you don't have a purpose, it will become clear through no, the practicing of the Dharma. Want. Yes. And if you get too caught up in being all identified with your purpose and outcome and, you know, well, that won't work. And then you'll get the feedback uh, of how faithful that is. Do you see
1: what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then you have this returning to to cultivating the space, the awareness, the presence, the kindness, the compassion.
2: Yeah.
1: And that awe of the whole going on being being fine being okay
2: i love that you use the word awe because it comes back to the beginning of our conversation where you were saying well ordinary isn't really ordinary ordinary is filled with awe
1: yes (laughs) thank you for that that's beautiful yeah So, okay, well, so I ask everybody to give a specific piece of advice to women and girls on the spiritual path. So I'll put that to you. You've given a lot of wisdom already. So, the advice that I would
2: give to women and to girls is trust your perceptions, trust yourself, have confidence in who you are. Don't apologize for who you are. Trust the goodness of of who you are. And that will help you trust. That encourages your intuition, the gifts that as females, you know, we really do have uh, to come forth when we are trusting who we are and trusting our perceptions. Especially the girls.
1: And how do you say that, uh, or how do you... Perceive that a spiritual practice um, inspires that confidence, or what? What are some specific spiritual practices or practices, or that you think inspire confidence?
2: Um, Yeah, I think that mindfulness, um, just being very concretely present—you know, feet on the floor awareness of the body, just simple awareness practices gives you confidence in where you are and because you can always ground in that and your, your present location. Um, I also think that being aware of the messages, girls being aware of the messages that they're getting from the culture that start to not match who they feel they are inside. Um, that being aware of say the spiritual ideals or aspirations versus what the culture which is so immersed in total materialism and consumerism is telling us Um, being aware of that helps stay with um, what's true for us and not be constantly swayed by you know entertainment and having to be beauty or or that we should be a celebrity or you know all the things that are messages especially that folks are getting you know right so being
1: being really mindful of your environment and of your body in time helps you to kind of it's almost like creating the the structure for that space in your heart for you to connect stay connected to that confidence that exactly that that truth that your own truth right and so it does require some spiritual structure in a way where you're using your mind and your awareness and your attention to um, contain contain yourself contain your world yes. yeah no i think you definitely need
2: methodologies like mindfulness practice um not to be strictly bound to a specific but there's we we need some structured practices and we need each other we need to go for refuge in community Other girls who are um, sympathetic um, and women who can be good mentors for girls and support them in really trusting who they are and the goodness of that. We can't do it alone. Uh, We can't. We really need each other. And our skills in relationship can, as as females, that we are more conditioned to be skillful at relationship, um, can really help us. And can help us uh, support each other, as opposed to compete with each other, but really support each other. But you're right, we need a structure and we need a community.
1: Do you think there is somewhere um, for everyone to go to get that? (laughs) I do. I mean, we're not going to all find it in the same place, but I do. Yeah,
2: I really do. I feel like there's such a um, and and also at this time in history, Mm -hmm. we have access to so many different teachings from different traditions. Mm -hmm. And, And while that might be overwhelming and distracting in some ways, it's also fantastic because everybody can find what they're drawn to, and that may change over a
1: lifetime, too. Right, right. And it just seems to me like the aspect of spirituality and community is something that you guys got, because you all got it kind of together at the same time. It feels like your generation There was this ha- this nice chunk of you that got kind of all pulled into it together <laughs> in this then this community of uh, it was kind of a subculture, and now um, it's so like you said so diverse that, that it does require a little bit of uh, effort effort to choose. Yeah, you know. We also
2: have each other, and the wisdom of our experience that we can share. You know, I, this worked for me. You might try it. That kind of feeling, and and you know, you it didn't feel that way at the time. I can see that it looks like that when you look back at our time. Yeah, but it didn't feel that way. No, I felt very alone and and messed up. I
0: felt totally, so <laughs> you weak.
2: Know? Right. I didn't feel like, oh, I'm being drawn with my cohort. It, just, it didn't feel like.
1: No, no. It just but looks, it's a nice you, picture. It's a nice painted picture of the, the summary. Now, for those of you that that stayed together and, you know, or that found each other and just continued to stay close, it, it, it really, it looks that way now.
2: Yes, and it feels that way now. Right, yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. So in you that, know, yeah. But a lot of us are also committed to mentoring and sharing. I mean, we wouldn't be teaching otherwise, you know. And so, yeah, there's quite a few, I think, more and more great examples of women, empowered women who really um, care about the next generations and want to share what they've learned. Yeah,
1: that's beautiful. That's beautiful. That's wonderful. Well, I really so appreciate this time with you, Trudy, and I think we have more to talk about and, and and definitely can get into some more specific topics, but I wanted to just meet with you and have a chat, learn a little bit more about you, share you with the Shakti Hour. And, um, and uh, what, what do you have coming up? Do you have any uh, events or classes or workshops coming up?
2: Oh, I just finished a teaching marathon from Mexico to Wisdom 2.0 to retreat with my beloved um, friends, Anam Tipton and Norman Fisher. And what I have coming up, um, yes, there are retreats and things in the future. They're all on my website, which is TrudyGoodman.org or InsideLA.org, which is our nonprofit that I founded in Los Angeles. But in the next month, what I have coming up is the ability to, uh, I've stepped back from teaching for a month, and I'm going to try to write. So wish me luck.
1: (laughs) Wish you great great luck and and so much ease of uh, reading your favorite text over the next few weeks and uh, it
2: sounds completely completely narcissistic but I hope you understand no, it, it's doesn't not sound, it doesn't sound the
1: way at all and uh, yeah I've done I, yeah I doesn't at all it sounded very very smart I've done this
2: I'm so excited to have this time and and um you know I guess the other thing is just that I want to acknowledge all the people at Inside LA, the community, the people who've come to join me there for helping to create something that has become a vehicle to do exactly what we're talking about, which is to share our own spiritual practice in different ways through different people um, to see, you know, who who can benefit, who can benefit, and including with veterans and homeless people and you know, people experiencing all kinds of really um, pretty terrible life challenges, you know, not just those of us who are reasonably comfortable with our food, clothing, and shelter, you know. Right. So I just want to give a shout out to everybody who's helped make that happen. I'm really proud of who we are today.
1: Fantastic. So everybody check out Insight LA and and Trudy's website to get on board. It's only a month, so... By the time yeah, it's spring, it's springtime. It. There'll be plenty of events, chances to catch you. And uh, so, thank you, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Lovely to meet you. Totally.
0: It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com/slash be here now today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelphelp.com slash be here now.